From the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion in Los Angeles, California. It's the 1999 Helena Cell Phone Slammies. We're in the plaza of the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion at the Music Center in Los Angeles, California. These crowds have been gathering since early morning to watch the arrival of the screen's most glamorous figures for tonight's international event. Marsha Mason, Sir Alec Guinness, Best Actor Award winner for Bridge on the River Kwai. Meryl Streep, longtime Hollywood favorite Cesar Romero, one of the city's most popular escorts. And a staple in all the Crosby Hope Road pictures, Dorothy Lamour. Richard Gere, star of Yanks, an American gigolo. Charming and talented actress and one of tonight's presenters, Miss Sally Kellerman. One of Hollywood's finest and most popular actors, Walter Matthau. Handsome debonair Douglas Fairbanks Jr., continuing a tradition begun by his father, Douglas Fairbanks Sr. Mr. Mickey Rooney. Here's Rod Steiger. Justin Henry. Sally Field, Goldie Hawn, and Liza Minnelli. Mr. George Hamilton, star of Love at First Bite. The gorgeous Candace Bergen. And one of Hollywood's busiest actresses, Miss Jill Clayburgh. All tonight. On the 1999 Hell in a Cell Phone Slammy. Welcome, everybody, to our 1999 Slammy Awards special. This is giving us an opportunity to kind of take a step back from looking at these individual pay-per-views and look at how the wrestling landscape has changed over the past year. In order to help me out, as, with, as always, I've got our wrestling historian, Bobby Hankinson. Hello, it's an honor just to be nominated. And Eric Silver. Uh, I'm honestly just gagged by all of the looks on the runway tonight. It is, it is star-studded, and everybody is looking their finest. Okay. Um, so as we go through, we're going to kind of talk about what our thought process was for last year. And as we're rating, uh, these new categories, sorry, the same categories as last year, looking at how things have changed. Uh, we're starting with best finisher. And just as a recap, last year, Bobby gave the honor to the sharpshooter, Eric, the Mishinoku driver, and I gave it to the stunner. Um, I have, so I, I have some thoughts about this already. Uh, I listened to our, our last award show and, uh, you know, it's funny. I think at, like as, as we're going into the third one of these, uh, it's, it's interesting to me, like what becomes like the more important, I guess, uh, distinguisher for these things. Like what, you know, like how it is it defined? Like I, I named the Michinoku, Michinoku driver last year, I think because, uh, it was like a cool looking move. Yeah, it looks fucking dope. This, yeah, it's great. Uh, but this year, I think I was more like I, I focused less on the substance of the move and more of like the impact of the move. So, what'd you go with, Eric? Uh, I I went with uh, the people's elbow. I think for me, uh, it, it seems like kind of like a no brainer, just because like it's a it's a silly move in in substance, but it gets a pop every single time and like the the kind of pop it gets is like unlike anything else that we've seen even a stunner i think doesn't get the same pop as uh people's elbow at this point 
Well, yeah, the stunner kind of comes out of nowhere where the, the people's elbow comes from everywhere. It's all set up. So there's plenty of opportunity to just ramp the crowd up to a fever pitch with that. And I think the that um, the people's elbow had a real um, there's a real connection between that move and the rise that we're now seeing of The Rock as one of the top three superstars in the country er, in the company. Yes, definitely. Um, I also wonder, and as I'm going through a lot of these these categories, if there's a little bit of uh, recency bias in my mind for these things, because as I thought through the entire year, I had to give it to the stunner again, Um, just because the parade of stunners that Austin has given and the importance of those stunners through um, the kidnapping of, of Vince McMahon through the, um, through the, the, the rivalry with, with dude love, the Austin McMahon story has been the story of this year. And the story has been told through so many stunners. Yeah. I feel like a lot of these are going to be a three way race. Uh, I ultimately landed with Eric and the people's elbow. I do agree. I think it's really unique and it does one of my favorite things, which is that it calls attention to the Muppet show element of wrestling while still staying true to the world of wrestling. It's not making a mockery of wrestling. It's not making a mockery of itself. It's not like smug and sort of like satire, but it is sort of like uniquely something that only works in this world. Without it, we wouldn't have Otis doing the Caterpillar. Without it, we wouldn't have John Cena doing the five knuckle shuffle. It is just sort of singular and it's bizarre kind of efficiency and the way the crowd reacts. And it's, it's such a commentary almost on wrestling audiences and how these idiots will eat up anything. You know, they're going to eat up a fucking elbow drop. It's so boring and silly and, and mundane, but he'll serve it to you on a platter and it's, he is the most electrifying man. He can make anything exciting. And so I, I, I ultimately went there, but Aaron, I completely feel you on the, uh, on the center. Also, it, it definitely was valid. And I also kind of toyed a little bit with the Socko claw for a lot of the, the same mandible reasons. claw. Yeah. That's, that's what I had in, in like second place in my mind too, just mm. because of where Mr. Socko came from this year, how it was like an accident lightning in a bottle that everyone has latched onto. And now like you see people in the crowd bringing socks for Mick Foley to use. And they still do. It's that iconic. Like I said, I think mm-hmm. a lot of these are going to be a three-way race. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, Bobby, something you said kind of uh, like, yeah, it hit on something that I think I've been thinking about, which is just the idea that the elbow, it's just an elbow drop. But like there's there's something ritualistic about the way he does the elbow drop, because mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't have all the other parts of it, just like if you don't have the kick before the stunner, it's not really a stunner. If you don't have you know, the the uh, exaggerated pulling off of the elbow pad and tossing it, you know what I mean? And yeah. if you don't if you don't hit both, if you don't hit both uh, ropes, you're not doing a, a people's elbow. It's, it's almost a like the pageantry. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like a like an anime thing where the character has to spend three minutes going ah and charging up in order to do the special move. Oh, 100 percent. Right. Or like. Yeah, like like it's like why why don't the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers immediately form a Zord? Like uh, like why do they why do they think they can fight this out? It never works. Well, I mean, really, that go- and Rita Repulsa, what are you doing? Not sending like making your monster grow every time. You've got the Rangers on the ropes, and now all of a sudden, what you're? Yeah, make it big, crush them immediately. Let's <laughs> not bother with the Putty Patrol. What are you doing? 
<laughs> I feel like the Putty Patrol is a union thing. They like <laughs> she's she's gotta she's gotta appease the local uh, the local community leaders by uh, employing some putties. You know the eight one seven putties. They are they've, they've got they've got the contract on those Rangers. They've got on Angel Grove under their iron fists. Yeah. Uh. All right. Um, next, we go to best promo. Last year, um, Aaron and Bobby said Stone Cold Steve Austin. Eric said Mankind. Eric, let's start with you on this one. Uh, I don't know if it's recency bias or if it. I mean, look, I, I listened to as I said, I listened to last year's and and at last year, I think I, I I said, you know what, The Rock is getting pretty close at this point, and I think. Between then and now, The Rock has ascended. Uh, like he, he definitely cuts to me the best promo. Mick Foley is a very close second, and and they they probably um, go. You know, they they kind of hand it off to each other at different times. Like one can be in the lead. I think actually for this though, uh, I, I I will say I think Austin has kind of declined a little bit in in what he delivers. Uh, not to take away from Austin's star talent, but I've gotten a little sick of what he's doing. I wholeheartedly agree with you, Eric. I, I, I settled on mankind for this one here, but you could easily go with the rock. And I think one of the issues with, with Austin is something that we've touched upon before is his promos aren't really that funny anymore. No. Like it's just kind of like angry and angry is great to get you like pumped up for a match, but it's, there's nothing for me to to hold on to there there's nothing that's going to resonate past that moment with an austin promo it's the same reason why like ken shamrock like popping his eye and like screaming just doesn't do it for me anymore or i don't know if it ever really did but like it's just like it's goose 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 you know it's it's this it's uh you know dishing out the 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 you know the one thing that is like a dopamine hit for Austin fans without kind of resting the bit a little bit. Mm-hmm. I also uh, went with The Rock. I think uh, for a lot of the same reasons you're saying. Austin is not clever. Austin is not witty. And it's a lot less fun watching Austin on top be the biggest star in the world instead of being this anti Shawn Michaels, plain, bald-headed, plain black trunk, trunks ass kicker with no frills and no flair, who shouldn't be the Vince McMahon golden boy, but is now he's the now he is the top of the company. Now he's like the biggest the biggest name in pop culture, and it's kind of like, well, you're sort of salt of the earth, blue collar uh, shtick. A has lost its luster, and and really from the beginning he was never clever. The Rock is clever. I went with The Rock because I think The Rock is clever, and he makes jokes and he writes things off the top of his head, and he crafted a whole language of his own that is unparalleled i think i mean mankind also a again we're gonna have a three-way race for a lot of these i think mankind is a also very smart uh made interesting character choices but the rock changed the language of wrestling in this year that we watched he's he's introduced phrases that that will go on to become pillars of the wwe brand is going to name an an entire tv series it's crazy. So I, 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 to me, I think it's hard. I, I felt I, there was no comp. I, you know, again, Austin and Mankind also not taking away from them. But to me, The Rock is on another level here because he's he's literally doing, changing the entire wrestling culture with the stuff that comes out of his mouth. 
And I think the reason I eventually settled on Mankind isn't anything that The Rock did or didn't do. It's just that this version of The Rock is still pretty new, and I don't feel like we've had a full year even of the best of The Rock. Um, And so I just, knowing what he can do and what he will do, I was still a little shy of giving this award to him. Fair. Very fair. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, I I don't want to take too much away from Austin, obviously. Like, remember, you know, I think, was it it our very first episode? Was it King of the Ring where... uh, yeah, where Austin comes up with Austin three sixteen, which is it's smart. It's it was quick, it was clever, but you're right. It's also not as clever as anything The Rock has come up with or Mick Foley. Like it's it was, uh, it was basically like I'm gonna take this thing that you said and I'm just gonna say I just whooped your ass. I mean, it was so good. yeah, it was good. Not, it's good. Yeah, Austin is not a bad promo by any stretch at all. And I would not yeah. be like he's not Baron Corbin. He's not Roman Reigns. He is not a bad right. promo, but I just think The Rock is on a level that, I mean, like, he's the gold standard. And one yeah. thing that we don't really have a category here is for those actions that Austin took. Things like driving in the Zamboni and leaping over it and tackling McMahon, attacking Vince in the hospital. And yeah. uh, Eric, just to let you know, there's going to be a little bit of extra homework with the WrestleMania episode that's coming up because the most iconic Raw moment happens in the lead up to WrestleMania. And it's an Austin moment. I was going to say we could have a, a category, best use of heavy machinery. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that would be awesome all the way. Uh, how about loose screw? I mean, you know, you know who I'm going to name for this one, right? Who are you going with? Al Snowman. 100%. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 Not yep. to call him Snowman, but like out like. It's okay, and and, and uh, going along with our theme of revisiting what we previously picked, it's not that mankind, like you know, seeded the title, but I think like what we've seen from mankind is a change in his in his character, well, in that he's you know he'll do he'll do things that seem kind of crazy, but also like he's crafty, he has a he has a plan. He knows what he wants to do. He's he's driven. He makes sense. And Al Snow is maybe like the it, it's like if if uh it's like a sliding doors moment. Like uh mankind missed the subway and like Al Snow stepped into the subway doors. And you know, now we have Al Snow taking off with like another riff on, you know, what it's like to be like a crazy person. Yeah. Uh, mankind has been elevated into the main event picture and loose screw really just feels like a mid card title. Yeah. Mankind's uh, a, a complex character. They, they yeah. shaded him and gave him like reasons and they humanized him in a way that it makes it hard to be like, ha ha you crazy. And again, <laughs> you crazy for this one, Mick. And again, if anyone hasn't watched it from that raw where Al Snow fights himself in a hardcore match, it's beautiful. It's brilliant. Um, I do have to say, so we um, solicited some of our listeners who responded over Facebook and a great response from Andrew Scalise on this one. Terry Funk, man, dude wore a pantyhose over his head and uh, revved a chainsaw for like a few months there. And I think we forget about how great that was. 
also, Andrew, man, I think if we were doing real life loose screw, like who do we think is actually crazy in real life when the cameras are off? I think Terry Funk's got this one in the bag. Or the dumpster. <laughs> you choose. <laughs> yeah, no. Terry, I mean, I it's like uh we've got our the performers over the year, and then we've got like, you know, the um the Lifetime Achievement Award and being a loose screw, which I think is definitely a Terry Funk thing. Is that the Cecil B. DeMille? Is that what that is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so last year for Best Tag Team, we were a little all over the place. Um, I went with a Legion of Doom for kind of the last ride of these um, uh, of these legends, and we're going to go in-depth into the end of Legion of Doom, really, with WWF in an upcoming deep dive. Bobby went with the headbangers and just them seizing their moment and being so of the time and pop culturally. And Eric went with Austin and HBK for this um, amazing matchup of talent of, of legends. Um, but I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that we all have the same for this year. I, I don't know. I, I think I might've swerved you guys. I think I might okay. Swerve too. Okay. Well, I went with the new age outlaws. I'm pretty sure that's okay. the only answer, yep. but I really want to hear what you guys say now. Uh, I went- uh, I'll, Okay. Okay, go, you go ahead, Bobby. Thanks. Uh, I went with D'Lo and Mark Henry, actually. I think they're consistently improving. I think really? they're good in the ring, and I think they feel like an actual tag team. The New Age Outlaws do too, but I never find the New Age Outlaws exciting as exciting in the ring as they are on the mic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think, and I guess kind of knowing that they never really get better in the ring. We're seeing them at their peak performance, and I think Mark Henry will continue to improve. D'Lo, I think, tears it up every time he's in. He carry he could carry a match for that whole team if he had to. They are consistently together. They make sense, uh, and they're having more and more fun character-wise. What Mark Henry is lacking in the ring, he's having a hell of a good time doing story stuff and kind of being this ladies' man character that's going to continue to develop. And so, yeah, I kind of I, I I know it might not be the obvious choice, and I'm definitely open to. I, I'm not going to die on this hill of saying they are the best tag team in the WWF at this time. But that would be who I would give this slammy to. I I think okay. Mark Henry is a lady's child, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but before before we hear from you, I just I, I want to say I, I think maybe you're underestimating the rise that we've seen of the New Age Outlaws a little bit here. Just remember, they were kind of played as the cowardly heels early on this year, running away from um, Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie, and we've really seen the ascendancy. They're at their peak right now, um, and that's why I'm I'm giving it to them. I agree. They're definitely at their peak, but I think they get a lot. I think they're getting a lot of shine off of Triple H and X Pac and the whole DX. They're getting a lot of like DX glow. That if you like, sure. basically, like, what was your favorite uh, New Age Outlaws match? What's your favorite New Age Outlaws promo? They got that entrance down. It's great. They sell a ton of merch. Look, I marked. I used to mark for the Outlaws hard. I mean, when we played like when we, my friends were playing like we like quote unquote like played wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like I was always Road Dog, also because nobody liked me. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> like I like the outlaws a lot, but I I think the rewatching it with um like adult eyes or like looking with more of like a critical eye at it, I was like you know what they were they're they're solid, but uh were they ever really that great? I I can't think of a new age outlaws match in my mind that I'm like wow yeah, whew, what a banger. Okay, Eric, what about you? Yeah, so obviously I thought about New Age Outlaws. The thing that discounted them for me, and you're right. I mean, I th- I think what discounted them for me was, you know, they are at their peak, but they're starting to kind of like, like even in the back half of this year, they're starting to, you know, 
go become like like solo stars, right? They're not they are a tag team, but they and, you know, and obviously they're still going to be known as a tag team because when they come out, they like as single pe- you know, as as single wrestlers, they still do the, you know, the entrance. But yeah, I I they are great on the mic. Anyway, I didn't quite I just couldn't bring myself to do it because I was like, there's got to be like a team that seems more like a pure good tag team. Uh, I also thought about D'Lo Henry, uh, D'Lo, D'Lo Henry, D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry. Um, I think they're, you know, I, I think they're definitely getting there. It has been probably only maybe two months, three months of them. So I couldn't do that. But uh, you're probably going to, you know, shake your head at this one. I said Kai and Ty. Uh, partially because... Uh, I wanted to kind of, you know, obviously I can't go back in time and fix things, but I want to kind of encourage like using that kind of tag team. And there was something I remember, you know, I was remembering back to when they were around for a couple months and they were dope. They had a dope moveset. They had, you know, a a problematic storyline, but it could have been a little bit more interesting. I just thought like, it was super fun to watch them wrestle. Definitely. I mean, Kai and Tai's tandem offense was a, was a sight to behold. It, it was beautiful. It was poetry in motion. I just have a problem giving the award to a team that really hasn't been around for months. Yeah. No, I know. I That's the, that's the thing. I, I, I didn't think – I felt like the New Age Outlaws have not been around as the New Age Outlaws for a while either. Hmm. So it's, it's just been a – it's – it's a weird time for tag teams. Yeah. They really got to clarify these eligibility rules for these awards, man. <laughs> but the end is like, when does it debut and when does it hit the box office? We got to get this out before December. And Yeah, New Age Outlaw is redshirted. And, and Eric, you're absolutely right. This, the tag team division definitely needs a shot in the arm that it's going to get soon. Right, Bobby? Um, yeah, I would say, uh, maybe in the, I think then within, I think it's in the next year. We're going to okay. really see the, t- the tag team. I mean, truly the greatest peak tag team wrestling maybe the WF has ever done. Uh, so just hold your horses because uh, things are about to get really, really good. I'm assuming it's going to be like the Hardy Boys and like the Dudleys, right? And, yep. and one other. And, and, and one other too, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, next up, we've got Best Dressed. Uh, last year... Bobby gave it to Ahmed Johnson and his fanny pack. <laughs> Eric Stand gave it that. to Billy Gunn and his shoulder pads. And I gave it to the only real answer, Jeff Jarrett and his Aztec leisure wear. Uh, so for this year, I'm giving it to Jeff Jarrett for different reasons. <laughs> uh, I, I, I actually like what he's, what he's wearing. Um, and I think I, like I wanted to encourage the change that he made in his, in his ring gear so, you know, I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm a tough critic, but no one can say I'm not fair and, and that I don't, uh, you know, give credit where credit's due. I think he, I think he looks good. Um, I'm going with The Rock for this one and less because of his, uh, his, his $500 shirts, which we haven't even hit full peak of there, but more for the athleisure wear that he's coming to the ring in a lot of the times, which has been basically my quarantine uniform the entire time we've been stuck at home. I, I covered already on an episode, right? Why he's doing that? I think I did. Yeah, which, uh, yeah, yeah because surgery? of his pec surgery. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
all good answers. I definitely think Jeff Jarrett would deserve the Slammy for most improved, for sure. Uh, but I went ahead and gave this to Shane McMahon. Because I do feel <laughs> like he is the most dressed of the time. Like, if I was going to be like, what were people wearing in this over like this 1998, 1999 time period, I would show them a picture of Shane fucking McMahon, for better or for worse. This is, um, this is peak brown lipstick time period. A fucking montage. You'd have the zoot suits all, right, all the way down mm-hmm. to uh, the last one where, with the purple sunglasses and matching shirt. Oh, yeah. All of his fucking widespread collars, all of his dusters, all of it. All of it. All of it. Uh, we had some fun ones from the comments on that one, too. Daniel Croxton said Mr. McMahon on this. Um, ah. And Andrew Scalise said Stephen Regal, which is pretty funny. That's a really good one. Uh, <laughs> Stephen Regal is, is basically dressed like like just the biggest lesbian. And I <laughs> I can see like he just pulled that costume right out of Leah Delaria's closet. And I am here for it. All right. Um, last year for New Sensation, we all agreed on Kane. Mm-hmm. For this year, did we all agree on Kane? Pretty sure. I did. Okay, maybe I. Maybe I. Okay, yeah, that's true. I did agree on it. Never mind. Did you have someone different last year? No, you're right. I forgot. Okay. Um, this year, I went with Al Snow. Um, and this year, it's it's just it's. With Kane, we had that year buildup, and it doesn't seem like we've had anyone with that kind of mag. I mean, Paul White's debut last night just isn't going to cut it for this because yeah. we haven't seen anything from it. Um, so I just think Al Snow is the coolest, newest, most original character. I went actually with Val Venus, mm. who who I think. Uh, came in had a with a huge character i mean they put jenna jameson in his in his promo videos i mean he was a huge uh chance they took uh on someone they went all the way with the gimmick they held nothing back and like yes he's a mid carter but we did just see him get his intercontinental title which i do think qualifies for this uh award season uh which i so i think that is like a a reflection of the work he's put in thus far. He's been in a lot of high profile stories and he's damn good in the ring. He's damn good on the mic. He knows this character. He embodies it fully um, and he delivers between the ropes. So uh, I'm going to go with new sensation Val Venus. You know, Bobby, when I was thinking of this, Val Venus didn't even come in my mind. I feel like he's just always been there. I didn't even realize that it's just been in this past year. Cause you're right. He came in and he was so fucking over right from the very start. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I'm going to, I guess, di- diverge a little bit from you guys. I think the new sensation is uh, Gilberg. <laughs> and that's 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 actually not even a joke, because here's the thing. Um, I think that along with some uh, some unfortunate, I guess, events between WCW and WWF, I think Gilberg played a huge role in destroying Bill Goldberg uh, and just like completely deflating him. Like it, it's a true, uh, it's a, it's a true like embodiment of the pen is mightier than the sword. Like, you know, they didn't need to get the biggest guy. They didn't need to have anybody go up against Goldberg. All they needed to do was bring out this, this fucking guy who was a complete parody of him and they, they dominated him. 
And, you know, they made Goldberg look like such a fucking loser. And they had this, you know, they had this guy who's coming out with his entrance and it's like they've got little sparklers. It was, I thought it was great. And, and to be fair, after that episode of WCW that we watched, Goldberg did a lot to uh, destroy the mythos of Goldberg as well. Right. I'm sure. I mean, yeah, like uh, all that episode. Right. That episode of WCW also was a lot, you know, had a lot working against him. The the writers of WC, WCW and Gilbert all uh, <laughs> collaborated. Gilbert, though, I mean, you're, I, I, I'm with you. I think Gilbert honestly has a bigger impact than he probably gets credit for than just being funny. I think Gilbert gave way to James Ellsworth that we have today. And in some ways you could argue, though, I do think this is a way better version of all of the aforementioned uh, would be Orange Cassidy of like mm. the, there's there's this there's this the anti wrestling wrestler the anti wrestler you know that that sort of does their own thing and I think Gilbert is a kind of a good example of that so uh, interesting point Eric I wouldn't have thought mm-hmm. of that thank you uh, coming off the internet um, we also had a, a call for the big boss man as well which Oof. I mean we all know boss man's been around for forever but this new incarnation of boss man as um, the heel enforcer is has been something cool to watch. I said we blocked that person. No, I'm kidding. We love you. Please don't hate us, please. No, but listen, you want to play podcast with us, you got to get you put those opinions up to fire, baby. <laughs> All right. Um, Miss Slammy. Any surprises here? I struggled with this one a lot. I, you know what? I thought this was interesting. I, I mean, I assume we're all thinking around similar things. Uh, but, I, you know, the argument obviously can be made for Sable again. Uh, but I'm so fucking bored with Sable. I am so fucking... Uh, I think it's so obvious her shortcomings that are put on display. Tired of it. Uh, I think Jackie put has done a lot of work. A lot of go- good work. I think Luna has done a lot of good work. And that leaves us, of course, with China, who is far and away the most incredible female superstar we're watching right now. But it almost feels wrong to give her the title of Miss Slammy and not put her in contention for these other categories where mm-hmm. like it, it'd be like putting the divas belt on her. You know, it just feels wrong. Uh, so I, I ultimately landed on China, but I don't feel great about it. But I do think that she is the most incredible woman to ever appear on this programming to this day. Hit the nail on the head with me, Eric. Uh, I went with Jacqueline and I did it, you know, so obviously, you know, she's, she's a mid Carter. She's, you know, doesn't show up for every pay-per-view, but I think the credit I give Jacqueline is the fact that she's one of the reasons why Sable is as huge as Sable is, or at least she's, maybe she didn't make Sable as big as Sable is, but she's helped Sable to maintain that height because the ring work that, that Jacqueline has done in their matches is just like spectacular. It just, it, it actually makes Sable not look like a joke. Yeah, when, we're, and so, when yes. we're talking about the women's division. And at this point we're, we're using that term very, very loosely. You're really talking about the story of two women, Sable and Jackie with Luna kind of coming in every now and then, when necessary to rest that Sable Jackie feud. And it's so obvious how much better Jackie is. I don't think any of us have any problem with anyone giving her all the credit that she deserves. 
Totally. Also, Jackie will do... Jackie can work like hell, and Jackie can also be the sexy bikini lady. Like, and I think that's also an interesting thing with her, is that, like, she can do the work with Sable uh, literally in the match, and she can also be her... She can beat her technically uh, in a bikini in a contest. Like, that's a pretty... And, and Jackie, when they're in England, and Vince McMahon's like, show your tits, she's like, all right, boss. Like, Jackie will fucking do it all. Yeah. All right. Best heel. Last year, uh, Bobby and Eric went with Shawn Michaels. I went with Kane. Shawn Michaels was probably the better answer for that one. Looking back, who we got this year? Uh, I went with The Rock. Uh, I know it's been, I don't know, it's been a long year, and The Rock is kind of a tweener, but I think he's really been, like, it's not just that he's, it's not just that he's the best heel in the in the the federation because you know arguably you could say Vince McMahon is a great heel. Um, it's that he is a better version of himself being a heel. So like, it's like t- be uh, turning heel and and f- fulfilling the heelness has actually made him an amazing performer. So that to me is like that's why I kind of it elevates him as. Uh, as the best heel for me. I don't have any problem with that. I went with Vince McMahon um, because of the singularity of the Austin Vince feud, because of so many of those incredible moments on raw that elevated this product to what it is. We wouldn't be talking about the attitude era of WWE if it wasn't for the invention of the character of Mr. McMahon. And I think that he's so closely tied to the ascension of the rock and turning the rock into that cocky heel bravada character that um, it almost speaks to McMahon again in naming the rock as the best heel. Yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, that's fair. I'm with both of you guys on everything you said. I ultimately landed on Mr. McMahon because I do think it's a character that has it, that whose influence is still being felt today. Uh, that set up the entire like corporate dichotomy. I think, uh, you know, Vince, I think gets a lot of heat about being like an egomaniac, but I actually think Vince never really wanted to be a star like this. And I think that his actual reticence to that has kept the character, kept the character growing at a natural pace, you know? And like, we've talked about sort of like the deeper undertones of like the chair shot helps him like, kind of like knock loose the screw and kind of be a little crazier. And that's where this like, this is built and his intensity has built and his like lunacy has built over time. And like a kind of organic way with this cat and mouse game with Austin that I do think, I mean, there, there has never been anyone like him since, I mean, Stephanie, I guess, but that, that even Stephanie, who I do think is, you know, we're going to a long way for talking about Stephanie McMahon in the capacity as a corporate figurehead uh, on screen, but, and she's amazing in so many other ways, but in some ways it's a, it's a copy of a copy. Uh, I think Vince McMahon is, 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 I mean, there's just nothing like it. Uh, and this was the year that we really saw it at its like masterful artistry peak. And I think a lot of it's going to come... I was about to say it's about to become cartoonish, but it's definitely been pretty cartoonish already. Yeah. But it's, it's going to devolve into a little bit more of a parody of itself um, totally. as we go forward. So our last two categories, we've got Superstar of the Year and Match of the Year. 
Um, and for me personally, I couldn't think about one without thinking about the other. But as far as I guess for Superstar of the Year, I want to hear your guys' thoughts first. I, I imagine that I, I have a feeling we're, we're netting out in similar places, but I do think this... I wonder if maybe we should talk about Match of the Year first, even though that wasn't the order we talked about it last time, because that's singular. And I think if there is a connection and if we are having a similar connection, I mm-hmm. wonder if discussing Superstar of the Year after will be a chance to then further flesh out beyond that match or beyond a match what their impact was greater and might be easier than starting big and drilling down. Okay. Um, so I had, well, I had three different different matches that I wanted to bring up. Um, same, same. <laughs> okay. But let's talk about it. I mean, okay. Um, well, I'm, I'm going to leave my choice for match of the year for last because I'm, I'm going to assume that we all landed on the same one at the end, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, so I want to bring up Austin versus Dude Love at Over the Edge. Uh, that's the false count anywhere match, the one where Vince McMahon is the rest ref. The match can only end by Vince's hand, and then we've got Austin grabbing his limp hand and counting one, two, three at the end. Um, I've got Mankind versus The Rock for halftime heat. Mm-hmm. Um, just because super fun story. Um, it, it was, I think, the best um, that these two amazing, um, amazing athletes, amazing entertainers ever gave to each other. Uh, does anybody else have anyone else they want to add before? Uh, the other one I want to toss in, like a non-winner, but a sort of like a also and also uh you know with distinction or whatever honorable mm-hmm. mention um i would say the entire survivor series deadly game tournament or the very least the yeah. the, main, the main event there with the with the reveal mm-hmm. of rock working with the corporation the whole time of uh that that, that whole big reveal there i think is the and the, i think that whole night because i think it all tells one singular story um but i threw that but i also had halftime heat as one of the ones on my list as well as actually the dude love austin uh, match. So I, I do think we're thinking similarly, but of course, none of these are the one I ultimately landed on. Those are just my sort of honorable mentions. Yeah, I'm getting worried because, uh, I, well, so Halftime Heat, I wasn't sure if we were counting non-pay-per-views, but um, I... Let's see. Yeah, so I, 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 obviously I loved the Halftime Heat. Uh, what was the other one that you mentioned before um, that? Over the Edge, Austin versus Dude Love, False Count Anywhere. What was the uh, uh, oh the um, no the Survivor Series that also was one I was thinking about. I was like yeah is it is it like does it count to like talk about an entire pay per view because like there are parts of that there are parts of of that pay per view that I could get rid of but like it really is one of those things that you need to take it all in context because just having that last match is not going to do any of the work it's that match by itself is not necessarily like you know, amazing beyond all the, all these other matches we've seen, but just all the work they did to set it up throughout the night makes that match pay off. Um, one other, uh, I guess, um, honorable mention I have is the rock versus triple H in the two out of three falls match. Mm. Uh, I like just the way they were using ladders. Uh, that was a really, that was a dope, dope match. Those are two different ones though, uh, weren't they? Didn't they have the two out of three falls match, and then the ladder match was the next one? Oh, and and but so maybe I'm just thinking of the two out of three falls. But anyway, but also but both, both of those good. were fucking phenomenal too, Eric, and and can't fault you for either one of those. 
Right, but those that's not what my main one is. I don't I still I'm not sure if uh you guys are going to land on the main one, but but I but maybe. We'll see. Well, for me, the only answer for this one is Mankind versus Undertaker, Hell in a Cell, like King of the Ring. Same. Same. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah, of course. Yeah. There's literally no I, I can't believe, Eric, I, I, Eric, you had me really worried there for a minute. I was like, "Uh-oh, man. Uh, I think you might have missed the boat on this one." It was Val Venus versus Kyantai. <laughs> <laughs> choppy, choppy. There are a few things we can say definitively there is only one correct opinion on, but I do think this is the one of those things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and we've we spent an entire episode gushing over this match, so we don't really need to say too much more. But I, again, just holy shit. If you, if you haven't, if, if anybody wants to see, anybody who tells you, like, these guys aren't tough or... Wrestling is not, you know, they're not hurting each other. It's fake punches or whatever. Uh, don't show them the Royal Rumble match between Rock and Mankind because no one really should watch that. But show them this fucking match. This is the, I mean, this is, as we know, as, uh, you know, in the Hell in a Cell Phone origin story, first of all, in its title, uh, but furthermore, in the origin story of this podcast of Aaron showing Eric this match late at night, like after a night of drinking, like that's how impactful and important it is. Not just on the wrestling industry, but literally on the three of us personally. Yeah, there was, I don't know. And like, what were we going to say? Um, I don't know if I, I ever brought it up on here before, but um, at my school, we have, uh, we have houses like Harry Potter. And one day I had nothing else to do with my house. So I was just like, you know what guys, you want to watch this? And I put on this match with them and we sat in stunned silence until cheers and screams erupted throughout the classroom. It was one of the most fun experiences I've ever had as a high school teacher. Yeah. I mean like the, all of the matches that we like that, that, you know, that happened later in the year, I think like they happen because of hell in a, uh, the hell in a cell match, right? Mm -hmm. Like that match that match brings them up every it lifts everyone up to a new level of like all right man if you're going to perform this is how this is how to perform you know what i mean like it it wasn't just it it isn't just the pinnacle but it also like started creating a new foundation of just like intensity it changed i mean it created the the mythos of the undertaker in a lot of ways you can't watch a package about the undertaker and not see this not see his face as he's looking down at mick foley who has just crashed to the the top of the cage or over the side of the table that it's it's made him look like a stronger more powerful monster it it i mean and it it was just one just one of many examples uh that i believe we'll talk about uh shortly of McFoley's commitment to the business and commitment to his artistry and um, his drive for himself to always one up and be better and one more and one more. How do we do it bigger? How do we top the last one? Yeah. And that's why to go with superstar of the year, um, it's really easy to stay stone cold again. He is the biggest star in the company. He's the biggest star in the world. But when you look at the matches that we listed out, Pretty much, there's one common denominator with all of them, and that's Mick Foley. Yep, and not I. I, I, yeah. I had the same, you know, mental journey, you know, getting there, which was that like all the matches I was thinking about, like, wow, that was all Mick, that was all Mick, that was all Mick, and it's him, I think, driving so much the creativity and and pushing himself, but also he was a face. He's been in the last year. Face, heel, yeah. Cactus Jack, Dude Love. He's done it all. He's given us so much and so much variety. 
Whereas Austin is one note, man. It's mm-hmm. a great note. It's great a beautiful note. note. But it, it is the Mariah Carey whistle note. It is just, but it is just one, and he that's what he gives us. It's great. There's it, and no one can do it like him. The Rock even has given us a couple, but even still, not nearly the breadth of work that Mick Foley has put in, um, and the intensity with which Mick Foley has put it in, and the brilliance and the way he made everybody he worked with, from Undertaker to Triple H to The Rock, look better. And this run Plus, leading up to WrestleMania just feels like the culmination of Mick Foley's entire career. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, like I was, um, you know, like just thinking about the times where the title has changed hands and what kind of emotions it brought out of me. You know, like when when uh, when Austin won the title, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is dope!" Like this, this you know, I I enjoyed it. It was like you're you're watching something that you knew was meant to happen happen. But when 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 mankind Mick Foley or whatever wins the title, it it was like emotional, and you could tell the whole crowd was behind it. There was so much like, uh, it was it was like the you know like Sam and Diane finally kissing. It yes. was like, you know, the, the, the will they, won't they of, of raw. And I think, thi- I think also for the three of us personally, who probably I, I'm guess I can only speak for myself, but kind of saw ourselves as a little bit of an outcast, never quite fitting the mold out there, seeing this guy being able to embody and tell this story where you don't have to be the pretty boy. You don't have to be uh, the best looking. You don't have to be the one that, that uh, the most popular and you could still just through sheer force of will, get yourself to the, to the highest heights. It meant Austin, something to me. Austin is playing an underdog. Mick Foley is an underdog and i mm-hmm. think people yes. whether they recognize that or they can intellectualize it emotionally everyone feels that and i think that's why the crowd reaction is it's different austin is playing a character but he is still as as i've covered in in depth uh hot as hell uh and also <laughs> like a powerful strong guy and he still is like a, a virile man's man in so many ways. And he is the kind of person who succeeds in wrestling. But Mick Foley is actually an underdog. And his story from, from when he was a child jumping off of his roof, he, this is a dream. This is all real. The leather mask is not, the socko is not what makes Mick Foley comp- compelling. It's actually Mick Foley's real life and his real insides that make him irresistible. And I... I just going back and rewatching this again as an adult, I just think it resonates even more. Well, it's like it, the um, the Rock calling himself the People's Champion is like a funny, ironic thing, uh, but like the real People's Champion is Mick Foley because you know the Rock being the champion or Austin being the champion or Shawn Michaels being the champion. You can see how um, there's probably a, a hefty percentage of it being you know, Vince's choice, right? Like Vince can make a a champion, you know, out of whoever he wants. And he, there's a, he has a type and his type will never be Mick Foley. Like, I don't think that he's, he's going to like, look at the next mess and go, Hey, this guy, this guy needs to be the face of the company. It's because he was so beloved by, by the crowd and, and everybody really took to him that he like they almost had no choice if they didn't make if they didn't make mankind the champion they were doing a disservice to 
what ha- what he had built. And and it's oh. it's it's something that resonates throughout the industry too because if mankind is never champion in 1999, I don't think Otis is money in the bank winner in 2020. Kevin Owens even. I think yeah. even Kevin Owens you can you can qualify yep. and I, and again, and Kevin Owens is a by normal standards a, a handsome regular guy. He's just like a normal dude and he's also athletic as hell doing moonsaults and fucking flipping off shit. Like uh, but he's, you know, he's fighting an uphill battle. He's swimming upstream to be the face of this company because he's not Vince McMahon's type. Yes. I mean, look, you can, we can go through all of them. Samoa Joe, even AJ yep. Styles. AJ Styles is not, is not Vince's type. He's, he's extremely athletic and the, the AJ Styles becomes a superstar in WWE because they couldn't deny him anymore. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like they, it wasn't like he was like this this uh this charismatic force that they were like we have to have him they like they overlooked him well i also think the thing with with mick foley and and the reaction the crowd gets is i mean i remember just even even rewatching it now knowing full well what fucking happens it's shocking it is shocking cuz everything in your brain and everything that wrestling has told you and wrestling loves to tell you what it's going to do it loves to just give you the pattern and be like this is how the face wins and you know this is going to be a draw and you know that there's going to fight again because the storyline's not over yet and it loves to sort of like leave little breadcrumbs and tell you exactly what it's going to do so when they do something truly unexpected i think part of the pop of course was like genuine love and support for mcfoley and what he's given to entertain us but i also think it's like holy shit they did it holy shit mm-hmm. they actually did it like mm-hmm. otis i think winning money in the bank is a similar thing it's like holy shit they actually did it because wrestling loves to like tell you what it's going to do and then just actually just do it like it's very it's very strange how we keep coming back for more uh when when they make the stakes so obvious and low uh but uh it's the shock of it too but man goddamn that guy is really special well, thanks for listening to our opinions. Love us, disagree, want to. I'm sorry, guys. It, it goes to Moonlight. It's actually Moonlight. <laughs> want to. <laughs> oh, my God. Throw us through the top of a steel cage. All right. Let us know. Email us at hellinacellphone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at Pod, or tweet at us individually. Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slow Pass. Our theme song is There Are Traders in Our Mitts by Disco Vietnam, and our artist by Alexis Yavni. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll be back again next week for WrestleMania 15. Uh-huh.